a blessing to be here this morning. It's always a great privilege for me to be able to be back into my home state. And uh, it's always uh, so wonderful on the flesh, but hard on the spirit as we have to get back on the road. Uh, it's always hard to leave Colorado. Most of my extended family is in the state, and uh, I just enjoy uh, my time back here as brief as it is there. So uh, I know that you may have some questions maybe about our work, and maybe uh, in the following service there that you might be able to ask us those questions there if there's something that uh, you'd like to know. Uh, but what a blessing over all these many years to be able to serve the Lord. My wife started out 36 years ago as a young college graduate. Uh, she grew up in the Thumb area of Michigan. Uh, there on a small dairy farm, and uh, her father gave her an old pickup truck for her to use. Uh, the, the driver's door wouldn't open, and so she headed across country just there in that old pickup truck, uh, trying to share the burden, the calling that God had given to her as a single lady missionary. And as the many years of missionary service that we have had, uh, there's a great need, a great place, and uh, uh, the, the, uh, the ministry in which uh, single lady missionaries fill around the world in such a large capacity, uh, it, is, it would almost be irreplaceable to think of their service for the Lord. And so she set out there, uh, there trying to raise support, and sharing that burden, and is that same burden today after all of these many years, and that the souls are lost and they're in need of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that God has for some reason there, uh, called us, therefore, to serve there uh, in another country. Uh, eight years ago, we became naturalized citizens, and uh, although we may not have done it for maybe the purest motive, we just with foresight saw that the British government could be changing the immigration laws, and uh, we took advantage of becoming naturalized citizens. And uh, very unexpectedly, uh, what a blessing it was to us. Scotland had been home for us for many years. We had lived there for so long. Psychologically and emotionally, it was as home for us as my childhood home here uh, on the Western Slope. And, uh, but what a blessing for us to become part of two people. Uh, they're uh, both American and Scottish. Uh, we can't be entirely uh, Scottish, and, and we're no longer entirely American. Uh, we have been adopted. We have been grafted in to a new nation uh, with a different people. And it has been a great blessing to us to live and to serve the Lord, therefore, in Scotland. And as we go back, we covet your prayers. Uh, if anything, the need is greater today than many years ago. The great spiritual need of a country that is without Christ and uh, what a heartache it is. Through the years, I guess it was our desire to see churches planted. And uh, that was the, 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 the burden, the calling in which God has given to every missionary. And so they set out, therefore, to, to fulfill that calling. And, and yet through the years, it was not so much that we changed Scotland, but that Scotland changed us. And uh, in part of that change, we just had to learn the fact that we are just simply called to be faithful, to, call to, to just simply serve in the place of God's calling through all of the the ups and downs, the trials, and all of the things through life that there that we were to serve the Lord, uh, realizing that life is for service, whatever God has called us to do. And I was talking to somebody just the other day, and it was again emphasizing the fact, you know, that it was a Christian farmer, not just a farmer, uh, there, but whatever vocation, wherever God has called us, 
the life is for service, that we are to find a place of serving God, serving God through our local church, serving God in our homes and, and in our vocations, the realizing that our Christianity comes before everything else and that we are to be the light and the salt of the earth and that we are to serve God. And so I trust that that might be the case this morning, that you might be serving the Lord yet even this day, wherever God has called you. You might be a witness. You might be a testimony. You might always be conscious of the fact that souls are in need of salvation and that each day that there is a place of service, maybe through an encouraging word, a helping hand, a witness. But if you have lost sight of that focus, uh, you have really lost sight of the great joy that comes with serving God, of living for the Lord, of knowing that God, with all of our imperfections, with all of our shortcomings, it's amazing that God uses us. Uh, God could raise up angels. God could raise up all of those who are gifted and great and talented. But God uses ordinary people. And if you're like me, we fall within that category. I'm just thinking that God Almighty, the God of this universe, chooses, therefore, to use our lives for his honor and glory. I'm going to have Joanne come and share a little bit with you this morning and then uh, be able to share just a, uh, from you with the word of God this morning. Thank you. It's our privilege to be back here at Glenwood Springs Baptist Church. We thank you very much for all your prayers and support through the years. We'd like to thank you for the goodie box that you gave us yesterday and the very comfortable accommodations and the gift card to Village Inn. This is great. You all have spoiled us, and we thank you. You put time and thought and effort into looking after us, and we are privileged. You saw our presentation. Behind every face, there's a story. And I wanted to share just a couple of those little stories with you this morning. I was praying when we were on the field, Lord, we need a piano player. My husband and I are not musical. You try to teach people hymns when you don't sing very well yourself. We've had people come through our door. They didn't know the difference between a hymn book and a Bible. So I was praying, Lord, please send us someone that could help us carry a tune. And a girl, a student, came through our door one day. She took two buses to come to our church. Uh, she lived on the other side of the city. Um, it took her an hour and 40 minutes to come one way. And she was a girl from Singapore studying podiatry. And I asked her, I said, um, you don't play the piano, do you? And she said, oh, yes, I do. I play back at home. And she was looking for a Bible preaching, gospel teaching church. And um, you saw her picture there. And she played with us till she finished her degree. And then when she graduated, magna cum laude, her parents came over to see her graduation. And they came out to our church, came out to our home for meals. Come to find out her father works with the underground church in China. So that was very exciting. Um, another time we hosted a student from Malaysia. And you know that's a very Buddhist, Buddhist country and Buddhist and Muslim. And he came for Christmas holidays because he wasn't going back for the Christmas holidays back home. And my husband got to witness to him and another missionary witnessed to him. And then he came out again in the springtime to see us again before we left on furlough. And um, he's studying there at the University of Aberdeen. So we 
thank the Lord for that opportunity. You saw the couple from, um, that had the baby dedication. They actually met at a university and got a teaching job out in Kazakhstan teaching English, but they had some vacation time. And they said, could we, on their vacation time, could we have our baby dedication at your church? So all of these things that have happened are because of your prayers. And we thank you. You also will be partakers of the rewards of all these things. And um, I can remember on the field, too, I thought, Lord, you've promised, you've said your line has gone into all the world, and the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. But how does that happen? Sometimes you feel like you're such a little drop of truth in this ocean of error. And um, I thought about the increasing Islamic faith. It's all around us. These Protestant churches are closing, and the mosques are opening. And there was a lady who came into our church, and she made a profession of faith. And um, one of her daughters um, was married to a Muslim. Well, this lady died. My husband had the funeral. And a whole pew of Muslims attended that funeral service and heard the gospel. So God has his ways and means, and we thank him. We don't know how he's working, but I know he's working, and it's exciting. Um, I've written several books. They're back there on our display table. If you'd like to buy them, it covers the cost of printing. And I put many of these stories into print. My latest one just came out last month. It's called The Missionary Bank, and they're 50 true stories of God's working and answers to prayer and provision um, in ways and means that we just cannot praise God enough for. So if you'd like to help support our ministry, we have these books for sale. Please take a prayer card. We need your prayers as we go back and go back into that ocean of error. Um, and thank you once again. We do appreciate it so much. Uh, I guess the untold story, uh, our life story is not finished. God is still working in our life. And we may have unsaved loved ones, or we may know people's lives who have been wrecked and, and destroyed by sin. And yet, God is not yet finished with them. And uh, as we think about missions this morning, uh, I guess that there was would be impossible, therefore, to be able to see all that God does. It's part of that untold story. Uh, there are many things in life in which God only gets the glory. I wish as a missionary family some way that we could communicate all the things that God's people have done for us all these many years that has made it possible for us to be able to serve on the mission field. Indeed, as in every salvation and transforming of God's grace in a person's life. It, it is a, as if, as in the means of God's working amongst his people. Uh, it is a wonderful story. Uh, one that is so hard to convey, to, to be able to communicate, and yet God receives the glory. And through your faithfulness and through your life there that God uses the, the tapestry your, the events of your life there to accomplish his purpose. And I guess as a missionary family, we'd just like to thank you for your faithfulness to us. And as Joanne had mentioned, we uh, do cherish your uh, continued prayers. 
As I continue to share here with you this morning here that this is not really a preaching message here as far as a message that preaches that well, but as I was looking as to what I wanted to speak about coming back uh, this furlough here, this is the ideas that I wanted to convey here as uh, I came back and at times shared uh, these truths here. But many times in Scotland I have asked myself here why people are so comfortable in their disbelief. And on occasion, as I've asked myself this question, it uh, from time to time has left my spirit unsettled. And so does this question that I would like for us to ask ourselves this morning. Why are people so comfortable in their disbelief? In Scotland and in Western Europe, uh, socialism, atheism, humanism, I guess much of the the terminology today, they might call it progressivism, uh, and communism uh, uh, has so steeped the hearts and minds of people that they just don't see their need of God. When they look upon having faith of God, when God, they do so with disbelief, uh, with skepticism, and yet even hatred. As we go around the doors there in Edinburgh, and from time to time as we uh, speak to people, there will come across people who will very curse the very name of God. And there will be others there that uh, will just simply scorn and ridicule uh, God and religion. And I know that it would maybe be the same here in your community. You, as you go around and witness to people, you'll meet people who will have a different response to the gospel. Some people will respond with great indifference. Some people will just simply be completely uh, antagonistic and and oppose uh, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now this response should not be surprising to us because as the Bible says that the wicked men here have a contempt for the Lord. As in the book of Proverbs, uh, they have no fear of God in their life. Uh, they live, live as if there is no God and uh, therefore they live uh, sinful and disobedient lives. And their hearts are hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Right before I came back from Scotland here, I was reading from a religious survey, and part of that I'd like to share with you here this morning. And according to this survey here, most British people think that religion here does more harm than good. And the article here went on to say here that they thought that, uh, that it, uh, the harm that it caused to society and was that it created psychological harm. And I inferred from that uh, that would have been the consequences of guilt, the guilt of sin. Uh, the, the guilt that presses heavily upon the conscience. And so the modern psychiatrists and psychologists there would think that this would be a negative influence upon the lives of people. And in this survey, it said religion promotes tribalism as it divides people. It creates sectarian fault lines. Religion anchors believers to the Iron Age, an age of ignorance, inequality, racism, and violence. Religion makes a virtue out of faith that practices self-deception and shuts out the evidence of science. Religion diverts generous impulses and good intentions. Instead of saving souls, uh, instead we should be saving the planet. Religion teaches helplessness by dependence upon God rather than upon political advocacy here. Religion seeks power and wealth which harms society at large. The survey went on to say here a, so, a sociologist by the name of Phil Zuckerman, he said that uh, not a single advanced democracy that enjoys benign progressive 
social economic conditions retains a high level of popular religiosity. What he was really saying here is that the more prosperous and secure uh, the, that a nation holds to, the more religion weakens. And I guess we could maybe make that uh, reference here uh, as we think about America this morning. As we think about over the last 40 years, let's see of how that prosperity, uh, again, people have come to the place where they become self-dependent upon uh, their, their uh, financial means, uh, begins to, to lead them farther and farther away from the things of God. Uh, and so as a result of this, uh, people have no place for the house of God, and, and the things of God become the farthest things uh, from their mind. And so why are people so comfortable in their disbelief? Because they just simply don't see their need for God. And when it comes to the work of evangelism, there will be times in which we share our faith with others. There will be those that we witness to and pray for year after year after year, and it will seem that their hearts will continue to be hardened to the truth of Jesus Christ. But we need to be encouraged and continue to be faithful in, in serving the Lord and seeking to be witnessing, witnessing because we know that, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And unless people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they will be eternally lost and without Christ. And that God has called us to be the, a witness and a light in the world, and, and that there is a place of service, that life is for service, and that we're to be, we, we're to be a part of that, that work of God, of sharing that truth of Jesus Christ, and by being encouraged there from the word of God, of knowing that yet through our service and our witness that there shall be some fruit. Now that is true from the parable of the sower, that we know that as the, as the gospel is sown, that there will be seed that falls upon the stony ground and by the wayside, and the fowls of the air will come and devour the seed. But there, that, there will be that seed that falls upon a good ground. And it will take root and it will bear a, a harvest. And, and praise God that as we serve the Lord, that God will use our lives in ministering to others. That God will use our witness. To, and that our, our living faith will, will be a testimony to others. And, and that our, the example of our lives will, will be evidence of what the transforming grace of God can do in our lives. What a miracle, what a wonderful truth it is, the thinking that God can use us. And so despite the, the hardness of heart and the, and the rejection that people have towards God, we need to just simply be faithful in sowing the seed and praying that the Spirit of God would, would work in their hearts and just learn to wait upon God. And I trust that in your walk with the Lord that you have learned that wonderful truth, that through the years of Walking with the Lord, you have learned to, to wait upon Him. That your soul learns to become at peace upon circumstances and upon God's timing. And, and that in faith, believing that you look and believe within your heart that God can do the impossible. You know, maybe this morning that there is somebody here that maybe years ago somebody was praying for your salvation. Maybe as a young child you grew up in a home and Maybe you were rebellious, and maybe the things of God were not important to you until God somewhere along your life's journey began to, to get your attention and you realized your need of, as, as a sinner and, and, and need of salvation. We witness to many people that just seems like their life is so entangled with sin. 
It seems that their, their life is so scarred that humanly speaking, we, we, we just wonder how can we, you know, be of influence in their lives? How can we try to help them? And the reason why we're able to do that is because of the power of God. That God is able to, to change a person's life. Just as in the presentation this morning of John Newton there, uh, the man's life was 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 uh, uh, he was a, a derelict and and a slave trader and his life was scarred with years and years and uh, a sin, but yet he discovered Christ and wrote those amazing words, "Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me." That's why we can be encouraged. That's why we can continue when. As, as from time to time when we're discouraged and, and the, the slow response to, that people have towards the gospel, that we know that it is the gospel that, that transforms lives as the Spirit of God works within them there. Another reason why people are so comfortable in their disbelief here is that because they have been blinded and deceived uh, by the God of this world. Uh, and uh, we need to realize that as God's people that we're involved in a, a spiritual warfare uh, as we see in Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, uh, people are, are spiritually blind and, and walk in darkness. In Ephesians chapter 6, we see that uh, in, in uh, that passage of Scripture. And if you'll look with me there this morning, Ephesians chapter 6, very familiar passage to us. But yet here it gives us insight here to the, to the spiritual warfare in which we as God's people are uh, involved in. And yet Paul says here, finally, my brethren, in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, but put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand in this evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil, and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Again, we are involved in a spiritual warfare. And when, we, when it comes to the work of evangelism, we need to see that it's not just simply uh, uh, trying to win the argument or, or trying to, to convince people, therefore, uh, uh, just uh, within our own life experience. But we need to see that we are dependent upon the Spirit of God. And we need to pray that God would take our words, that God would use His Word to bring conviction, so that people might see their need of salvation, see that they, that they uh, are, are a sinner in need of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Recently, right before we were coming back to the States, we were in a bus coming home from the high street, uh, the main street there downtown Edinburgh. And in a conversation, I heard a young man say that I will choose the tools of my own life and I will not have God Tell me how to live. You know, that's the attitude of many people today. There are those that may want to have a sense, a familiarity of religion. 
but they will not have God tell them how to live. They will not tell God what kind of music they can listen to. They will not have God tell them how to dress. They will not tell, have God tell them what to do, that they're going to live their own lives, that they're going to live to the fullest. They're going to, to enjoy life and, and get all the pleasure that they can out of life, but they're not going to tell a holy and a righteous and almighty God to, to tell them how that they are to live, how their life is to be transformed by the, by the amazing grace of God how their lives are to bear Christ's likeness, the fruits of the Spirit, how their lives are to, to reflect uh, uh, the holiness and the righteousness of God. Yes, they have a religion, but yet they don't want the transforming grace of God. They don't want to walk in the purity of the gospel. They don't want to live in the righteousness of God. And yet there will be those that, again, will say that they will not have God to tell them how to live. Because... And again, that uh, they hate God. They hate the thought of righteousness. They hate the thought of, of, of purity. Uh, they are lovers of darkness rather than of light. And so they love the things of this world. Their heart is set upon the things of this life and the pleasures. And yet, as the Bible says, that pleasure has its, uh, sin has its pleasures for a season. And they enjoy the, the pleasures of sin. And they live to the full, living just simply for the things of this life, never thinking about eternal things, thinking about God. Before I came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, I'm sure that there was a period of five years in my life that I'm not even sure if the thought of God came into my mind. I would go by a church and maybe on occasion see a, a, a wedding procession coming out of the church, and I thought of it no different than the fire station or, or a store or a business and I was blinded it's here that I gave no thought of God I had rejected here the the testimony the witness of Christ and yet even the Bible says that creation bears witness to Christ and yet so men are without escape but men make that choice within their heart either to accept the Lord or to reject the Lord. And God calls upon us simply to be faithful in witnessing for his namesake. And I trust that that might be the burden of your heart this morning. Yes, you might have another vocation, but first, you're first a Christian. And God commands us all to be a witness and a testimony. And there's a place of service for each and every one of us. And, and we need to pray, be praying and asking God to use us every single day. Lord, give me a chance to witness today. Give me a chance to, to be a word of, give a word of encouragement, to give a helping hand, to, to minister in some way. And I hope that that is your true heart's desire, that you get up with each day of knowing that it's filled full of purpose of serving the Lord. And it's amazing and how God uses us here in his providential guidance and, and his uh, leading in life uh, and how God uses our life there. And so there will be those there that reject this truth. When it comes here to uh, why, uh, thirdly here, uh, we see here this morning uh, why people are so uh, comfortable in their disbelief here uh, is that because they have defined their own sense of morality and that their thinking is far from God. They don't want to put themselves under the authority of God's word. But they want to define what is right and wrong themselves. 
And so they'll come to the word of God and they'll find that which is convenient for them and, they, and that they will say that, well, yes, I believe in that. But when it comes to other teachings in the word of God, they're inconvenient. There's something there that, that they don't like. Their, their life does not want to be conformed into the word of God. And so uh, they just simply easily set, them, set it aside, that truth aside. But yet they define their own values Earlier on in the Republican presidential candidate, I had, uh, pre uh, the Republican uh, presidential uh, candidate John Cusick said, uh, he says uh, that while his faith was important to him, he did not need to read the Bible to figure out what he thinks. And uh, uh, I think that gives us some insight in what I'm trying to say here this morning. Yes, you know, he wanted to have his faith in God. He wanted the convenience. He wanted, uh, therefore, the... The, the idea that God loved him and that, that he could bring his burdens and, and pray to God and seek God's deliverance and that God would send prosperity in his life. But he didn't want to put himself under the authority of the entire word of God, the inspired word of God. And, and we, as God's people, we need to, again, see that God has given his, his word to us to instruct us and to teach us and to lead us and to exhort us and that we are to to walk in obedience, therefore, to it. And lastly, this morning here, the root cause of disbelief, of course, comes from a sinful heart and rebellion against God. Undoubtedly, pride is one of the great causes of disbelief. But yet here, the, the sinful heart. Man, therefore, just walking in unrighteousness, the, the sinfulness of his life, rejecting God, rejecting God's morals, moral demands, choosing to reject God. Yes, when it comes to the work of evangelism, there will be times in which we may feel discouraged because of the hardness of people's heart. But we need to see that we have that truth of, of, of salvation and that it is only through Christ that people can be saved. And there will be those who are deceived and will be blinded by uh, Satan, but we need to pray that the power of the Spirit of God will get a hold of their lives. Maybe you remember that illustration there of George Mueller. Uh, there throughout his lifetime, he prayed for, for five friends throughout the, the, the years of his life and, and uh, uh, praying that, that, that God would, uh, would convict them and they would see their need of salvation. But through the years... There are those that, that continue to harden their heart and continue to reject God. But by faith, he continued to believe that, that as he brought them before prayer, that the power of, of prayer, the power of witness here, that God could use that again to speak to their hearts. And we need to be encouraged by that. Because there may be somebody here this morning that we have prayed for for years. And yet they seem to be so far from God. They seem to be so hardened to the truth of, uh, of, of salvation. But we need to encourage ourselves in knowing that we have the great privilege of praying. And knowing here that God can bring conviction. And God can work in their lives. And yet while they are alive, yet there is hope. That is the great message of, of Christianity. It is a story of redemption. That we as sinners, as we as uh, there in the transgressions and the wickedness of our life can find redemption in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so while there is life, there is yet hope. 
and we can continue to pray and witness. And yet we need to take the gospel, therefore, to the ungodly, the unwanted, the undesirable, and to all those who know nothing about the wonderful, transforming grace of God. And that's what the work of missions is about. And that is the mandate, the commission that God has given to each one of us here this morning, that in this spiritually dark world, that our lives can be a witness for Jesus Christ. And what a blessing and joy it is to to know that God can use us. And, and I trust that you have found a place of serving the Lord, not only here uh, in your local assembly here, but yet throughout each day that you are aware of the fact here is that you're God's instrument and God can use you and that you might be praying for instrumentality, that you might be praying that yet this day, Lord, use me and just help me to be a witness, help me to be a blessing to the lives of others. And it's a marvel uh, just a great joy to see how God can use us. Pastor Kirkman, uh, thank you.